0: You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Help
1: me It's like the walls are caving in Sometimes I feel like even, But I just can't It isn't in my blood Laying on the bathroom floor, feeling nothing overwhelmed and insecure. Give me something that I can take to ease my mind slowly. Just have a drink and you'll feel better. Just take her home and you'll feel better. Keep telling me that it gets better. Does it ever?
2: You know, when I hear lyrics like that in a song, I can't help but be curious, what was going on? And they would write words like that. You know, here's a, to me, clearly a cry for help. You know, he's tried everything, he's looked for answers everywhere, he feels like, or she feels like giving up. Um, I can't go on, and yet, it's not in my blood to give up, so they're going to keep trying. And, and I think in, in some respects, we all feel that way at certain times in our life, don't we? Uh, Maybe today some of you uh, feel that way. And we're going to be talking today as we finish up our series called Personified, where we've been looking at the journey of Jesus the last year, or week rather, of his life on earth before he would go to the cross. And especially zeroing in on his humanity, because in Jesus there's this mystery of being fully God and fully man. And we've been trying to unpack that humanity part of him. And so today we're going to find ourselves in a situation where he experiences the ultimate unfairness. And so we hope that you will lean into this story today with us, with Jesus as he is before Pilate. But uh, my name is Craig Mays, and I'm the interim lead pastor here at Clinton Township Campus, having so much fun being with you for these past months, seriously. In Michigan, you've opened up uh, the skies and had sunshine and nice weather, which is very unusual for March. I lived here 50-some years, I know. This is not normal March, but so glad to be here. And I am happy to have with me on the stage one of my absolutely favorite people at Clinton Township.
3: Good morning, everyone. My name is Sonia Miletta, and I'm the campus director here.
2: Yeah, let's put our hands together. She is awesome. And you know what? You show how brilliant I was because I hired you uh, 15 years ago. Okay? And you're still (laughs) here. You did
3: hire me. That's probably the worst mistake. Um, (laughs) 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 Just kidding. Hey, I just wanted to share, you guys. Every week we got new people walking in our doors. Can you believe that? Every stinking week we got new people. So we got people online. We have we have people that come in and say, "Hey, I've been watching for a few months online. It's really been incredible to see um, people coming back and um, new people coming." But that leaves us in a little bit of a situation. So we are in need of volunteers. Um, we I would hate for a child to get turned away because we don't have a volunteer to to receive them we get we have a great kids program that's where i started was kids someone mm. believed in me invited me in on that journey and your church becomes more um, small when you get to know people here by volunteering join in a small group get into the community whether on zoom you can do it on purpose in or in um, but all that to say that um, it becomes a a great community once you step into that engagement but if you are new here we have this place called the hub and it's located in the lobby and it's right in the center and we have people there that are here to answer any questions that you have there are so many resources here that's one thing Kensington is blessed with is the people you guys make this church amazing and so um, we couldn't do this without you because there's not enough of us on staff to do this so we need um, people to grow God's Church so if you have a desire to jump on board come out to the hub we love to sign you up there also another thing I want to share with you um, we have a great talent of people that give of their talent here so we have this program called Kaleo for kids it's it talks about um, they, they learn what gifts and talents that God has blessed them with they are in community with other kids, and we have, um, they learn, you know, worship and singing and, and drama, and then at the end of that program, they put on a live service. We love our Cleo kids. We start them off young, and for them to know how God has made them and gifted them, because each one of us has gifts in here that we can use for God, so I encourage you to do that.
2: Awesome. Isn't she great? She makes this place happen, I'll tell you. So, um, last thing we want to share with you is we are super super excited about uh, Good Friday services. Um, our team has done an amazing job of creating what will be an hour long experience of really sitting in both the sadness and the beauty of that day. And so we hope there's two services you can attend here in person or online. We'd love to have you join us. And then we have six services for Easter, on three on Saturday, three on Sunday, and uh, we will continue to practice um, as much you know safety as we can inside, but also will be um, online as well. And so either way, we are so happy that you'll be part of our community for these two special services. And it really is the conclusion of our seven-week series, Personified, because all of this was pointing toward what we're going to look at this Friday and also on Easter. So today we're going to find ourselves, and if you can now open up your minds of imagination and be in this courtyard with Pilate, who is the governor of Israel at the time, Um, and Jesus has been brought there accused.
0: Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. As you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and then release him. But the whole crowd shouted, Away with this man! Release Barabbas to us! Barabbas had been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city and for murder. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again. But they kept shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! For the third time, he spoke to them. Why? What crime has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and then release him. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they had asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will.
2: So this is where we find ourselves today, with Pilate, Jesus, in the courtyard, and um, we heard this reading from the Gospel of Luke, uh, which I think portrays what I would call the greatest act of injustice ever perpetrated on a single person. What we're going to unpack today, as we look at what happened with Jesus, it was not fair. It was not just. As a human being, we know he's God, but he's also a man. As a human being, how could you possibly endure a moment like this? You know, I think we actually um, have a passion as human beings for fairness, don't we? For things to be right. We like the equal sign. We like it to be balanced. Um, In just everyday life, we experience this. I mean, if I go to buy something and I pull out a $5 bill and I give somebody this money and they hand me something back, I'm trusting that that thing corresponds with this $5 bill. It's worth $5. It's not worth a penny. It's worth $5. If you work um, an eight-hour shift at work, how many hours should you get paid for? It's not a trick question. (laughs) Eight hours, right? If you work really hard in your job and there's an opening and there's a promotion available and they bypass you and give it to someone else who's less qualified, who hasn't worked as, as hard, you feel that, don't you, that sense of injustice and unfairness. It just like eats away at you because we were made for that we desire fairness and there's not really anything wrong with that except I realize that um, we kind of aren't consistent with this there are actually times when something happens that is not fair and we like it let me explain so this summer I was um, driving in a small town in northern Michigan I was with my brother who I don't get to see very often and so we were chatting away, and I knew I was driving along a lake, and it was a residential area. And I knew the speed limit was 25, but I wasn't paying attention. And all of a sudden, I see the lights in the mirror. Okay, justice is coming, Craig. <laughs> and um, and uh, I looked down at my. Don't you do this if you ever see that? Don't you look, immediately look down and say, "What was I driving?" I didn't have it on cruise control, and I was driving about 40. So 40, and so I'm starting to think about how big this ticket's going to be. And then <clears throat> the officer gets out of his car and he walks up slowly. Well, the reason I got my wallet out is I got trained a few years ago to be a chaplain in New York City with the police department, the fire department, and emergency responders. So I'm, like a, I'm a first responder. If something bad happens, I get a text, they ask me to show up, and I have a hat and a jacket that identifies me. But the most important thing is this. This is a badge. And most of you can't see this, it's too far away, but it looks just like a police officer badge. So when we finished our training, the man that was doing the training said, now, put this in your wallet. He goes, and you know what, put it where you have to pull your license off, because if you get pulled over um, and they see it, they they might give you mercy and grace and not give you a ticket. So (laughs) this is where I put it. So when he walks up to the window, I, like, took a long time, like my license was stuck. You know, I'm just kind of holding it like this, you know. (laughs) Oh, this thing won't come out. And I pull it out and I hand it to him. And I, I watched him. I know he saw it. And he walked back to his car and I'm watching him in the mirror and he hardly got in the car and he came back out. He handed my license and he said, slow down. Now, was that fair or just? I mean, if you drive 15 miles an hour, the speed limit, um, the fine is $85 and so I should pay $85, but instead I paid nothing. Now. I'm a man that likes fairness and justice. So I got out of my car, ran back, and demanded that he write me a ticket because I am a man of God who believes everything should be fair and just. Of course I didn't do that. (laughs) So (laughs) that's silly to think about. You think that's ever happened before? I demand you write me a ticket because I'm about honor and honesty and fairness. You know, we never do that. So there are times when when something unfair actually benefits us. And we're going to see that in this story today where Jesus is before Pilate in the greatest injustice and unfairness. And the, this, is, you know, this is called a, um, a j- scale of justice, right? Um, this, this kind of apparatus, though, has been around for th- probably thousands of years. Uh, I actually want to show you a picture from India. I go over to India every year, and there's a marketplace where they use these old-style scales. You can see in the one side of it is a bunch of fish. I'm sure you'd like to cook those for dinner. You can see them all piled up on the ground. But they put a certain amount of fish in and their weight in the other side of the scale. So, you know, here are the fish, and then they put some object here that's a, pr- a certain weight that they know and they want it to balance out. And I would stand there and watch this, you know, time and time again. And, and the people that are buying it, they're back getting the bird's eye view to make sure that scale is even. They're not getting ripped off. That particular one I showed you seemed like it was very easy to rip people off though, because all you're holding it way up, all you have to do is just tilt your hand a little bit in your favor. And when that would happen, by the way, I saw fights break out or just arguments and screaming and yelling at people that thought they were being ripped off. Why? Because we have this sense of justice in us, that we want things to be fair. So today we're moving into a story, and if you've been with us the last few weeks, um, we've been walking with Jesus in these last experiences leading up to the cross, really going Sunday to Sunday. So we began the series really on what would be Palm Sunday, we looked at Jesus coming in um, or maybe that was week, uh, week two. But I just had to mention that because this is Palm Sunday, right? Many of you know that. And you're wondering where the palm branch is. Well, we unpacked that about five weeks ago and told kind of that story because we've been going chronologically through Jesus last week. So that brings us now to today. In one of the first weeks, we looked at Jesus was invited to a dinner party. He was a guest of honor. And his disciples and his close friends were there. And a woman had a very expensive bottle of perfume alabaster jar and she broke it and anointed jesus and everybody in the room many at least objected saying this was a year's wages what a waste and jesus supported this woman and she he said what she has done will always be remembered because she's prepared me for my burial and i think when he said that you could hear a pin drop in the room because they weren't expecting that well now here we are only a few hours before this burial is going to come And it's going to be an extraordinary act of injustice that takes place. Val read that passage from Luke uh, 23 just a few minutes ago. So we're going to jump into that story. But before we do that, we're going to take just a moment right now um, to receive our offering. So whether you're here in the room or online, we just want to communicate to you how much we love your participation in our community and that together we are able to do amazing things. God has called us as a community to change our neighborhoods, to change our city, to change our state, our country, and the world. And I'm just so uh, excited and pleased to see all the things that we're doing that really are making lives better and changing lives. And so we just encourage you to give through the ways you can see on the screen here at home, online, uh, through our website, on your app, or if you're here, we do have buckets in the back as you leave. So thank you for, again, being partners with us. So in the story we're looking at today, there are three primary players in this or actors in this play we're going to see. It's... Pontius Pilate, it's Jesus, and then it's this man named Barabbas. And <clears throat> Pilate was a governor of Rome, appointed by Rome to keep law and order in Israel. And he was very much hated by the Israelites. He actually poured salt in their wounds. He did things he didn't have to do. For example, he minted a special coin that they would use for currency that has Caesar's image on it. And um, so every time any Jewish person would have to in be involved in co- commerce, they're holding onto this coin with Caesar's image on it, and he was worshipped as a god. Our, our coins say, god, god you trust, that's basically the idea. And then he also would uh, hung these uh, tapestries all over the cities that had the image of Caesar, and it was meant to call people to worship him because, again, they thought he was a god. So Pilate was not a friend of Israel. Israel would try, the, the citizens would try to stay as far away as they could. So why now have they taken Jesus tied up in chains to Pilate? And the reason is because they need him. Because they want to have Jesus put to death. Out of envy and competition, these religious leaders especially did not care for Jesus. They wanted him killed, but they had no right under Roman law to kill him. The death penalty could only be executed by the Roman government, so they now find themselves in need of Pilate. They need Pilate to side with them and say, this man is dangerous dangerous. He needs to be put to death. That's their plan. So now they have walked into his palace courtyard. They have brought Jesus. And this is what they say to him. They say, we have found this man, Jesus, subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be the Messiah, a king. Now, if these things are both true, Jesus could be put to death because that's coming against the Roman government. You're not going to pay taxes. Um... And you're not going and you're claiming to be a king so that's a rival to caesar so jesus might you know be in trouble if this is true but it wasn't true do you recall the time when the religious leaders tried to trap jesus and say is it is it right for us to pay taxes to caesar because you know a jewish person said say no that you only honor god and it, but if you say that then you're going to get in trouble they tried to trap him and here's what he said brilliant response from jesus he said give to Caesar what is caesar's and to god what is god so in a very public setting, he did not say don't pay taxes. He said quite the opposite. He said pay your taxes. Now, did he claim to be a king? So this is where, this is where um, Pilate goes. In Luke 23, verse 3, Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus replied, he says, you have said so. Uh-oh. So now you think he's going to be in trouble because he's just admitted to Pilate that he's a king. But now consider this curious response from Pilate. Having said that, here's what Pilate says. He comes out and he announced to the chief priests and to the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. But he just claimed to be a king. Well, this is where I like looking at all the Gospels because the Gospels add some elements in there. And John said that, Jesus said, but my kingdom is not of this world. I have a different kind of kingdom. So Pilate did not perceive him to be a threat. So, I want you just to see this summary. I think it's already up on the screen. In this um, exchange between Pilate and Jesus, and also Herod, who was a, ruled one of the regions within Israel, um, they interrogate him and they come away with this response. I want you to see the enormity of this. Then Pilate announced to the chief priests in the crowd I find no basis for a charge against this man, he's innocent. Pilate says again, I've examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. He's innocent. Then he sends him to Herod. Herod questions Jesus, sends him back, and Pilate says, neither has Herod found any basis for accusation, for he has sent him back to us. And then Pilate says again, as you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. And then Pilate finally says again, What crime has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Five times. No less than five times. The leaders, the most powerful leaders in their land, affirm his innocence. So if you're there, and that's you tied up, and perhaps facing execution, you hear these words, you know you're good to go. You've been interrogated by the highest ruler, And you've been declared innocent. So he should be set free. By this time, Jesus has been beaten up a little. He's been mocked. When Pilate sent him to Herod, Herod dressed him up like a clown, sent him back. So he's standing there now with Pilate in the courtyard. And Pilate has objected to this whole kangaroo court thing and saying he's innocent. But Pilate has a problem. And it's going to tip these scales of justice against Jesus. And the problem is that his main job, Pilate's main responsibility was to keep law and order. There were all kinds of insurrections and rebellions and riots that would happen. And if, if those continued, the leader would be probably, Pilate would be killed himself and replaced. But he also knows Jesus is innocent. He knows it's out of envy that they brought him there for this, with these false accusations. So he wants to let him go. And here's another reason why he wants to let him go. Um, In another gospel account, we're told that Pilate's wife had a dream. And in the dream, it was very clear to her that they were to let Jesus go. She said, in my dream, I know he's an innocent man, and we are to have nothing to do with him, so don't do anything stupid, Pilate. That's not in the Bible, but that's how my wife talks to me sometimes (laughs) when I'm about to do something stupid. By the way, this, you know, a side message just for free here is listen to your wives, husbands, those of you that are married. So I think in this moment, if you can picture it, here's what, here's what Pilate is seeing and thinking. He has a large crowd of hundreds of people jammed in his courtyard, angry, demanding Jesus' death. And then he's got his wife's voice in his head saying, don't you dare, don't do this. And then he has this, his experience of having just been with Jesus, questioning him thoroughly. And I, fi- I think he wanted to advocate for him. Whatever he met in Jesus, he saw he was no threat. This is an innocent man. And he had tried his best five times to declare his innocence before the crowd. He needs a way out. Because if he has him crucified, he knows he did wrong. If he lets him go, the people are going to riot. Rocking a hard place for him. So he comes up with a plan. Every Passover, he would try to win favor among the Jewish people by releasing someone that the Roman government had imprisoned, one of their own citizens. So he gets this idea in his mind of offering them Barabbas to be free because Barabbas um, was, a, um, was a criminal of the worst sort. Well, he actually offers Jesus to be free, but they shout for Barabbas, and Barabbas was one that they would want because he had been involved in the insurrection, Right? He had tried to overthrow the government, so he's one of them against the Roman government. So he puts these two on on the stage before them saying, which one will you pick? Would you like me to release Jesus to you? And they begin to shout for Barabbas. He objects again, why? What has this man done? They want Barabbas. They don't want Barabbas. They want Jesus killed. And he knows this. So he's stuck here. He's got to make a decision. And this is how Luke records his decision. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. And Matthew tells us that Pilate then washed his hands and said, I am innocent of his blood. And the people shouted back, let his blood be on us and our children. They wanted what they wanted. By the way, these were the same people many of the same people that would have lined the streets a week earlier on Palm Sunday shouting Hosanna here's our Messiah here's our King. What was that like for Jesus do you think? Again he's been roughed up and beat up a little bit by now he's standing there in front of the crowd who are shouting crucify him crucify him crucify him. The sense of unfairness and injustice I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you've been wrongly accused or falsely accused, but it's awful. And he offers no defense in front of the crowd. He really didn't offer a defense in front of Pilate. Pilate was puzzled. He said, you're not, why aren't you saying more? And we'll come to that in just a moment. But here's an innocent man, greatest injustice, and now in the courtyard, here's what we observe happen. Barabbas is out there likely in chains around his wrists and around his ankles. And Pilate gives the command, and so the soldiers go over and they unlock the shackles, and they come off him. And whether this was done actually physically or not, in this same moment, the shackles are now placed on Jesus, the innocent one, on his hands and on his feet. And this is indeed a great injustice. And yet it's the greatest news ever. It sounds strange for me to say this, but God is not fair. Sometimes. In this case, he's clearly not about fairness, about justice. And I'm glad he's not, because this is really the central story of the Bible. This is the central story of Christianity. This is the central meaning of the word gospel. It's really, really good news for Barabbas. And it's really, really good news for Craig. And it's really, really good news for every single one of us that in this moment, God is not fair. When, Jesus, when Barabbas walked away, a free man, and Jesus stood there knowing what was next for him, he was not there because of Pilate. Because of Pilate's power representing the Roman government. He was not even there because of the, the will of the people the cries of the people to crucify him, that's not why he was there. The scales of injustice are tipped against Jesus because that's what he chose to do. I don't know if you recall a few weeks ago we looked at when, when Jesus was, was arrested, Peter came to his defense. We always forget this when we talk about Peter as the one who denied Jesus. He was the guy that pulled out the sword first and lopped off the ear of the, of the high priest's servant to defend Jesus But here's what Jesus said. Now, as you hear those words, think about Jesus standing now in that courtyard, bound now on his way to the cross. He said to Peter, put back your sword in its place. Do you not think, or do you think I cannot call on my father? And he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. That's a lot of angels. He said, I have the right, I have the authority, I have the power. If I choose to, To just blow Pilate away, blow the crowd away. It'll be like a bomb dropping in here, and I'm going to walk free. That's within my capability to do that. But I choose not to. He also shared with his disciples as he was heading into the weeks leading up to the cross, these words. He said, no one takes it or my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. Wait, this is not Pilate saying he's yours. That's Jesus saying, I'm yours. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again, which he does next Sunday. This command I received from my Father. So for us to understand what's going on in this courtyard, yes, it's a gross injustice. Yes, Jesus as the man, as a human being, had to really wrestle with the pain of that, of the rejection he was experiencing, the shame he would have felt in the sense that all these accusations are not true. What is it like to be spit on? Be dressed up like a clown, to be made fun of, have these insults and mockings happening. What is that like? It, it, I've never, I've had it from an individual, never from a crowd at one time. So, as a human being, the 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 pain of this had to be immense. And yet, his feet his feet stood planted firmly there beside Pilate and before this crowd because this is what he intended. This was not weakness. This was not being overcome by power. This was a demonstration of the power of love in that moment that he felt for us. And if you will allow, the, the Barabbas walking free is a picture of each of us walking free. This story is really a microcosm of the whole gospel message. It more than anything else reveals what the good news really is. Guilty set free, innocent suffering on behalf of the guilty. Of his own accord. That was his own will to do that. So he, this is what he allowed. You know, we, we like this. But when it comes to my relationship with God, I'm pretty happy about that. That he was willing to be unfair with me. In fact, I want to have a couple scriptures kind of just wash over us this morning that tell us who God is. Like when you, when you think about God thinking about you, do you follow me in that? When God thinks about you, what does he think? You know, don't we think about what other people think about us? And half the time we get it wrong or more. Right? But what does God think when he thinks about you? And the real you, not the real you that, not the you that shows up in church with a smile on all the time, the real you, the one that got up this morning and got in the car and drove here. The one who maybe got impatient and swore at a couple drivers. You know, that's the worst thing. Worse sin you do today, that's pretty good, by the way. But what does he think about you? What does he think about us? So here's, um, here's one affirmation. It, it says in Psalm 103, he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Do you hear those words? God does not treat us the way we deserve if we put all all my guilt here I'd be down here and this it means this means the $85 fine for speeding but he doesn't treat me that way he doesn't even balance it he does it this way he said I'll pay the fine because I love you not keeping score not keeping track not keeping a diary of what you've done wrong and then in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 Paul writes this he says all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation and then it says and this is what the message is that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them This is in the Bible He's not keeping score of how you're doing or how i doing and deciding whether or not he's going to meet out the punishment he took the burden of all of our brokenness on himself and now he's committed to us the message of reconciliation so this is injustice isn't it it's like me running back to the car telling the police officer no you need to make me pay for what i did like sometimes we run to god and somehow feel like we have to pay for what we did, or we have to win back his love, or we have to earn his favor. And the message, the beautiful message of Jesus, which we'll celebrate especially on Friday and then on Easter Sunday, is that God came for us, and he is for us, and he's with us. In our imperfections, and in our sin, and in our brokenness. It doesn't change any of that. That's injustice. That's unfairness. It's not... It's not because we get it right. You know, I get just enough and I balance the scale and then God stands back and puts his careful eye on it, makes sure it's all even. He doesn't do that. The good news is the unfairness of God who says, let me take that from you. Let me take that for you. Let me take that away from you. Let me set you free. Let me take the chains off. Walk out of your tomb. Walk into life. Walk with me in life. I love you. Yeah, you messed up a lot this week. I still love you. You're still my son, my daughter. Like that's the, all of that is embodied in this story as we picture Barabbas walking free and Jesus remaining there of his own will, of his own volition. Not treating us as our sins deserve. So here's the challenge. I, there's three things I'd like to share with you, maybe takeaways from this story, where it might intersect with your life and my life. The first one is this. I'm, I'm guessing that between the audience online I shouldn't call them an audience. The congregation online, and everyone here today. There are lots of people that are right now suffering some unfairness or injustice, in relationships, in the workplace. You know, just the stuff of life. Things are not fair. You know, my my kids used to say to me when they were very young. Most kids, I think, learned this sentence pretty early on. uh, Life is not fair, or "That's that's not fair. That's not fair. That's not fair. That's not fair. The reality is that life isn't fair. Being a great dad, I used to say to them, life isn't fair, grow up. No, I didn't. (laughs) But do you understand, as you think about your own, the own unfairness that you're experiencing right now, whatever that is, we've been saying through this whole series, taking these words from Hebrews chapter 2 and chapter 4 that says that Jesus was made in every way like us so that he can be a faithful high priest. That's someone you go to, right? When you're struggling, He's a faithful high priest who is, who is not unable to sympathize with what we struggle with. He says he's able to sympathize. Well, next time you wonder, Jesus, do you know how hard this is? Go back to Pilate and Barabbas and put yourself in that moment because you can lean into Jesus in this. He understands. He can bring a level of comfort, encouragement, strength, endurance to keep walking this path no matter how, how hard it's gotten, no matter how unfair life can be. So that's the first takeaway. Understand you have a faithful high priest who gets it in the person of Jesus. The second one is, I think, and we're going to spend more time on Good Friday with this, but can we in this story see the true nature of God? Can you see the true nature of God? We all have an understanding of God that's not exactly right. It's a lifetime of learning to understand who God is. Because we bring our, our, our own experiences and other things we've heard about God to our understanding. But if we can see ourselves in the courtyard, you know, I say this often, I try to practice this. When you're reading stories in the Bible, put yourself in the story and see if you can identify with the characters. So right now, I'm Barabbas. If I understand this story right, I'm Barabbas, and I know all my stuff and all my junk, and stuff I don't want to share with you. Struggles I've had, regrets I have, failures I have, some I have right now that I wish I could fix like that. I see all of that. And those are the, 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 the chains around Barabbas. And then I see Jesus standing there next to Pilate and essentially is saying, yeah, you can let him go free. I'm staying right here. Pilate thought he made the decision. He didn't. Jesus did. And then I see my chains come off. And I see the embrace of God waiting for me, saying, I've set you free. There's no condemnation now, no guilt, no shame. Like that's who God is. Do we understand from this story the true nature of God because that's why it's good news. That's why we're glad that the scale is tipped in this way. For us. God's not keeping score. God is a God of mercy. So how do you see God? How do you understand God? If you have a God that's different than that, you have more work to do. We have more work to do to get there. And then finally, and I will, I will admit, this was the hardest one for me this week. Um, And and I want to say before I share the third one with you that there is a place for fairness and justice in life. Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with that. But I find in this story and in the teachings of Jesus, in the Gospels, that he is calling us at times to now take that same idea of unfairness and give it to others. We need to, I need to stop carrying this thing around with me and measuring everything by whether it's fair or not. You know, can you imagine this? I bring it to the restaurant. I'm sitting with my, my friend in the table, and he or she says something. I go, well, let me see about that. And I put it up on the table and say, no, that's not quite right. You know, measuring everything about it. You know, I'm going, let's go back to my speeding. I'm going 40, and someone blows by me at 50, and they pull me over. I want the police officer comes up. I pull this out from under my seat and say, well, listen, I just got a buddy, you got to do some work on fairness here. I mean, the reality is that we love these things. We love fairness, and we want, our, we want justice. And we, want it, we like the equal sign. It's got to all even out. But I really believe that the story of Jesus and the story we've seen today says that there are times when mercy and grace prevail over justice, over fairness. I can give you just one example of, from Jesus' teaching. This is from um, the Sermon on the Mount. You tell me how this lines up with this. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. See, that's the balanced scale, right? If I'm loved, then I'll love. Right? And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? See, well, I'll do good. If, if you're good to me, then I'll be good to you. You scratch my back and I'll scratch your back, right? That's the way we are wired. He says, but love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. I love this. And you will be children of the Most High. Why? Because we're acting like our parent. Who wasn't about fairness when it came to our condition. When it came to that moment in the courtyard with Pilate, he wasn't about fairness. He says, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. And then here's the command or the imperative. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. So I'll tell you what I've been working on this week. I want to I get rid of this thing. When it's appropriate. I'm just saying, I, I, I just don't want to get emails saying, you're saying I shouldn't? No, there, obviously fairness is an important part of life. Culture couldn't work unless we knew that we were being treated fairly. You buy a car, it's worth what you paid for it. So I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that we, as we encounter people in situations and circumstances with each other, there will be times where we don't feel justice got done. And there are times when God is going to say, can you be okay with that? Can you embrace it? Can you release that brabus in your life and let them go free? Are you willing to love in that way? Because we are the beneficiaries of such an extraordinary love. You know, the God of the universe wrongly accused and taking it for us. I think he's going to say to me, Craig, every now and then, maybe more often than not, I'm going to ask you to do the same. Will you turn the other cheek? See, that's not justice, is it? You slap my cheek, I'm going to slap yours. No, nope. Jesus said, will you turn the other cheek? Will you walk the extra mile? When someone demands something from you, will you give them more? Will you walk in the beauty of that kind of life that's defined more by mercy and grace than it is by justice? There is something beautiful about this kind of injustice that Jesus demonstrated and lived out, and it's a life that he can invite us to. So we don't, we're not easily insulted. We're not easily offended. We don't take issue easily with people. There's an open-handedness about our lives. We know who we belong to. We know that we're his. And what a beautiful way to live out this message in community, in our neighborhoods, in our cities, in our world. It's a hard thing. Like I said, I, I, when I was preparing this message and I came to this last, I'm thinking, I always ask, so what from this story? And when this one came, it got comical to me because I saw my little scale I like to carry around everywhere, hide it in my coat, hide it under the table. All the times I've been mindful this week where that jumps up And I'm thinking, wait, this isn't right. And sometimes we need to make it right, but there's sometimes when we say, it's not right, but that's okay. So God, please help us. Help us to embrace the reality of who you are, the beauty of your love, what this story tells us about your heart for us, and what this story tells us about a way of life that is so contrary to the way we just automatically think about things where we always want the equal sign, We always want it balanced. We always want things to be even. But that's not how you saw us in our desperate need. You came to us. You come to us even now, still. Thank you for your incredible love. We now offer our music, our voices, our hearts to you as we live in this moment. In your name, amen.
1: Cheers. I We would love to invite you to stand and sing this next song with us.
2: It's, it's hard to know what to say in response to that. So uh, here's Paul's question. In Romans 8, he says, What then shall we say to these things? So I thought I'd give you his answer, okay? And this will be our benediction. When I'm done reading the scripture, you'll be dismissed, and we hope to see you on Good Friday and Easter. But um, here's, what, here's how Paul answered his own question. What shall we say to these things? He says, If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also... With him graciously give us all things. Who shall bring charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who is raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? For I am sure... I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor breadth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ
0: Jesus, our Lord. Amen. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.com dot org